Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello and welcome to the UK Film Review Podcast. We are back again. I'm Chris Olsen and I will be playing host to this uh, episode, which will be focusing on war films. Nice jolly subject. And joining me tonight are some of the UK Film Review critics. We have Joyce. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, Joyce. We've got Jason. Hello. And we've got Rachel. Hello. And we've got Robert. Hey there. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining. Um, obviously, uh, I think this is the first for everyone on the UK Film Review podcast. I know some of you have done some podcasts elsewhere. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining me. Um, it's a big, big topic. I'm not sure we'll cover even 1% of it, but we're going to at least uh, tackle some of the, the bigger, bigger films. And I know that, um, well, Robert, yourself, you you watched a couple of films today in preparation, right? Which were those two that you watched? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I watched um, <clears throat> uh, Platoon and Schindler's List. <laughs> nice, uh, jolly, jolly day for you there. Uh, how how are you doing? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> it was it. Uh, how did you find them? Oh, uh, so so I loved uh, both of them. Uh, I loved Schindler's List more because it just struck more of an emotional impact with me. But Platoon was still really, like, you know, gut-wrenching and really well-made and really, like, <clears throat> and a very a very good depiction of the Vietnam War and the evil that, like, certain people did during that time as well. Mm. I mean, two 
like huge, huge films. And um, one of the things I noticed when I was looking at the list of the films that we could potentially review tonight, I mean, all the top directors have kind of had a go at this. I mean, Spielberg from Schindler's List, he's had a couple of goes because he also did Saving Private Ryan, which I rewatched. And then obviously uh, Platoon is Oliver Stone. I mean, you've got some huge heavy hitters here. I mean, have you got a favorite war film? Mm. Um, so I don't have a favorite. Um, I have ones that I really like, um, and I kind of um, what, what what I like about them is that that like that um, is that they can be very very diverse. You know, in terms of like the stuff that the subject matter that they focus on. Like, there's a lot of different area. There's a lot of different perspectives that you can take. And that's something that I appreciate about ones that are really good is that I feel like they take an interesting perspective. Um, the ones that I don't really go for are the ones that seem like a bit cliched or recycled, you know? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting to sort of dive down into that, see, uh, see what films make both of your lists. Um, how about you, Rachel? You got a favorite war film? Um, I'm, I, I always pick the one that no one ever thinks about, Jarhead. Ah, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. Under the radar, I completely forgot. Yeah, I love. Great. It's a great film, man. That's a rave of a film. I love just how it took, kind of like what you were saying a minute ago, the different perspective, and it's it's just his complete breakdown, and you know he really doesn't want to be there. There's, and I just absolutely loved that approach to it. So many war films, obviously, they want to focus on the hero. Mm. That's great. We love a heroic story, but to watch someone just be like, "This is garbage. I want to go home." I loved it. Um, that's such a good shout i actually completely forgot about jarhead and that's what i was saying one percent of the films we'll probably cover because it's such a huge genre um jason how about you you got a favorite war film well my favorite is saving private ryan oh good shout very nice what do you like about that well i i went to see it as a cinema like four times and i really liked the battle scenes seeing it's inc- i think that the work is incredible steven spielberg, spielberg is such a great director I mean, it's it's probably the reason why I watched it was because someone said the opening scene is so harrowing they couldn't stop thinking about it like weeks after they saw it. And I rewatched that actually. It's the only one I rewatched for the podcast. And yeah, that first well, not the very first scene, um, but just after that, the actual the Normandy beach bit is just absolutely <laughs> harrowing. It's so compelling, but it's so difficult to watch. Did you find it difficult to watch that opening scene? Well. I was actually blown away by it because it shows how what war what war really is. Mm. That then's a then's a final battle too. Oh yeah, yeah. The the last. Well, I, I'm just going to put out a spoiler warning now, just because if people haven't seen any of these films, it's like we're going to probably cover endings. But yeah, um, that that final forty minutes actually, oh, final hour more like is really really powerful. Um, Joyce, how about yourself? Have you got a favorite war film? I'm going to go kind of slightly current. I'm going to say Dunkirk, I think, um, just because I don't think I've, I'd have i ever seen a film like that, both kind of compositionally and narratively, and that manages to say such a lot with very little dialogue, if you think about it, actually. Um, and the sound, just the way Nolan plays with sound, as he usually does. Um, again, quite harrowing to watch. It kind of stayed with me for a long while after. Um, yeah, incredible shots as well. Yeah, Dunkirk, we, we chatted about it on the Nolan podcast and it divided people quite a lot because yeah. some people 
really yeah really engaged with it um others found it to be slightly cold um in terms of maybe they didn't warm to the characters too much um but i think if nothing else you can't help but uh, respect the scale of that film because it is so huge and and you know the what they do with um even just tom hardy in, inside a, a plane it's just the top half of his face really most of the film yeah. i mean the stellar yeah there's a stellar cast as well and it's interesting what you said about um kind of warming up to the characters because i think um well i'm a history graduate actually so i, I did i study war quite a bit it's not my area of specialty but the actually on that point i think he portrays the isolation of the soldier very very well mm. um so yeah really really interesting point but yeah it's it, it just because of how it stayed with me i think it's going to be a favorite one yeah well i think you know all very noble choices an interesting choice that you picked up there about um yeah that you're into history is is historical accuracy something that you guys want from your war films? Is it? Do you find that you want them to be very accurate, or are you happy for them to kind of take liberties? Open the floor think, to anyone. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, I think in terms of what the if you're going to portray war, I think you you kind of need to acknowledge just out of respect because you know soldiers have been real people. Acknowledge what they feel, um, and you know in 1917 for example the opening scene is soldiers talking about literally how hungry they are you know they just want some chicken some warm home food and stuff like that so i think that kind of really gives the film a touch um of you know it it not truth for truth's sake but maybe just even out of just respect these were real situations um and it just i think it just gives equality as well i don't get too upset if it doesn't i think i take it I take what I'm given in that sense. If the filmmaker didn't look for truth, then mm. up to them. Uh, oh, fair enough, yeah. uh, Robert. Uh, so, so I'm kind of like that. I'm like the, the the way I am with like war movies is kind of just like how I am with any movie that's like based on a true story, where <clears throat> where, where I don't necessarily care if they want to if the filmmakers like want to or have to like take dramatic license or anything or have to like make changes. Um, I think it just depends on if there's some kind of like negative agenda behind it or if in the process it ends up making people in real life look worse than they were or look better than they were mm. um you know it's like if stuff like that happens then that tends to like affect my opinion of it you know but if that if that if that's not the case and it's a change made for like a more justifiable reason then i'm kind of okay with it okay that's interesting i mean um, I'm I'm kind of similar. I I don't really mind to be honest, and I don't know enough about history to really kind of <laughs> boil down into the uh, semantics. Rachel, you were saying about that you you heard some feedback on Dunkirk and people saying you know there wasn't enough people of color and there wasn't enough women involved, and you found that kind of a bit laughable. I mean, how how do you feel about it? I mean, for well, personally, I think if you're a lot of war films follow actual, you know, true events and based on true stories, Save It Private Ryan, etc. Mm. I, I mean, obviously, in that regard, you have to take accounts from people who are there and, and how they go about the research. And obviously, so they follow a certain historical path. I think if a film wants to have a bit of, you know, mm. pizzazz and add to it, then that's that's just filmmaking. That's Hollywood. That's going to happen. But when people then reflect upon it and as we were saying earlier, I read, I think it was the Telegraph, don't quote me, and their film critic had said there weren't enough women and people of colour in Dunkirk and the whole film is predominantly 
the armies on the beach. I mean, I know you have the land, the air, the sea, but all of those people historically would have been men. So there has to be a line in the sand where you sort of go, come on, guys. <laughs> like, there's not women going to be out there on the ships fighting unless they're obviously in the nurses' roles and, and et cetera and things like that. And obviously we did have the uh, Indian army, but I think um, being a history person, and Joyce, I'm sure you know about this, there was something like only maybe a 100 army members from the Indian army who were actually on the beach at Dunkirk. So to have them mixed in with the whatever it was, 100,000 people, 70,000 people that there were, you're not going to see them on camera a lot, even if you did include them. So yeah. people like to just poke holes in anything, though, don't they, really? Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. And I think it's, again, what the points that um, kind of you made, you know, you take, a, it, it's the filmmaker's choice. If you're going to do a historical thing, inevitably, you need to choose um, not just the time, but you need to choose um, what window you want to look at it from because you know everyone everyone had a role if you're taking war everyone had a role but they weren't all in the same place if you're going to portray the battlefield then completely as you said you're not going to find women there the choice was the battlefield so you kind of you take that from the film if that makes sense yeah so, yeah, yeah. If you're going to include the the image of the home front, if you will, say if they'd focused more on that when they did the ports and the um, Operation Dynamo, of course, yeah, sure, women are there, but that wasn't a massive part of it. Exactly. And I, I think that's it. You know, one of the things I find is that it shouldn't jolt you out of the experience. So, you know, if it's a case of they've put people there to, um, you know, show diversity, it's like it's all it's a good cause. It's, it's good to do that. But if it's done in a way that then seems inauthentic and almost crowbarred in, it kind of does disservice to the source material as well as the people that it's trying to represent by sort of pretending that they were there if they weren't. Um, mm. And what I did find when I was looking on you know, through some of the films that we've, we've maybe had a, a watch of, and even Saving Private Ryan, obviously there was a big, big uh, war scenes, but they also quite often narrow down into quite a personal story, like maybe like one tiny story of a thread of a character's journey, because maybe the scale of the, the picture is too big to try and tell. So an example of that uh, recently was 1917, um, where you've got the... Is it? I think it's the brother trying to get a message to you know, the front where his his brother is, um, and it's like a one take film following him through this journey. But the the war is kind of going on around him. Is is that kind of what you want from a war film where they do hone in on this more sort of like hero's journey, or do we want to see the kind of bigger epicness of the whole war being told in one film? I think. From my opinion, if you're focusing especially on anything like a large scale, um, like a war involving a lot of uh, civilians and civil cavities rather than more than a political kind of base sort of office room war, you know, it's it's going to have a large scale to it. But to, to focus on every single, you know, uh, lieutenant and soldier and officer and captain and, and all the ranks that I don't know, it would be absolutely ridiculous. It's such a hard thing to to hone in on and and make it personal we have to relate to characters to have a good movie because otherwise you don't care if they die Mm. you know if you watch a horror movie and you get a lot of watch classrooms b-rate characters when they get killed by the slasher you just go eh whatever (laughs) because they don't have a character to them so if you were to focus on so many people on the battlefield you don't care when so many people die you don't relate you're not in a relationship with them and i think that that's why we well that's why films 
focus so much on the hero's journey because you, you're there with them, you're behind them. And that's what 1917 did with that um, the camera. It was meant to, so I've read, it was meant to make you feel like you were with the two guys because there's a lot of shots where you're behind them, you're walking with them. It was meant to make you feel like you were a part of the journey because we were then inside it. We're relating to them. We're having an emotion, emotional response with them. Yeah, I mean, um, Robert, have you seen 1917? Yeah, 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 I did. Um, <clears throat> did that? Yeah, I did. I, I, I didn't love it. Um, I, like, I, I thought it was good, but I didn't, like, you know, love it, really. I, I, I just sort of was like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, this is very well made. And, you know, yeah, this is very, like... You know, it's it's like it was it was like it was well made, it was entertaining, but you know, it wasn't it didn't like it it, it didn't like hugely like stay with me or anything, you know. Um uh like in terms of like Sam Mendes war films, um, you know, I do I, I, I did feel like Jarhead was, you know, better because it kind of gave again, as you as you said earlier, Rachel, it kind of gave it gave like a unique perspective where it wasn't really about war at all, it was just about the downtime behind war, you know downtime during war um i mean the most like um unique thing that it did probably was just that one take element and that 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 element did work enough to where like i didn't feel like the film was just trying to be a gimmick because i feel like whenever you have a film that has like one distinctive element that kind of gets talked about more than everything else then it's deemed a gimmick often. Hmm. Um, but I think that when it's done well, calling it a gimmick is doing it a bit of a disservice. I thought, yeah, with 1917's approach, it was commendable. And I, I do think that the emotional power of that film is linked to that technical approach. Um, but whether hmm. or not it then distracted you a little bit because it was almost kind of getting a bit, oh, wow, this is impressive. This is impressive. Oh, how, how have they gone over that hill? Oh, how have they gone around that building? And then you're like, shouldn't I be a bit more absorbed in the story rather than watching where the camera goes? Um, Jason, have you seen 1917? I actually have not, but I guess I should. It sounds it's, like a good film. I mean, I would put it up there with one of the sort of... It's a, it's a lasting piece um a lot of people sort of have a great uh, sort of feeling towards it but similar to like what robert said also maybe they didn't quite vibe with it just depending on you know what, what you were looking for i guess um but yeah i mean i i, I thought it was good um the, the thing of, sorry, oh sorry <laughs> the thing about that there was a moment in it and again we're going back to jarhead which is kind of strange but there was a point where he talks about where he sold his medal for wine or something like that i can't remember it's wine or jam or something fiddly and i was like that's it that's that character's thing that's going to draw us in he hates being there he doesn't care about war he didn't yeah. care about being a soldier they mention it like twice he's like where's your medal and then the next time where's your medal oh i sold it for wine and I was like, that's the character bit we need to focus on. But instead, as you were saying, we're all going to talk about the gimmick of the one shot. And people are obsessed with watching it going, oh, that was the cutscene. Oh, that was the cutscene. Oh, that. And then again, we're taken away from the characters because we're focusing on, yes, how beautiful it looked. And it was stunning. And I love the juxtaposition between Greenfield, 
derelict blow up part greenfield and that back and forth but it was like no he hates war let's talk about that let's let's see him really hate this but you know he keeps going and i was just like nah just mug it off just leave because i wanted to see that like that change in him because he was there and he had it and yeah. it was a shame that that didn't get explored because that again like uh, like robert was saying would have been that interesting the other side of war the things that we don't see and that would have been cool like jarhead yeah, I think if I can come in on that, actually, both for, for both Dunkirk and 1917, I think the interesting thing was, you know, what people said about maybe the, the characterization. I think it's an interesting, you know, take it or leave it, but it's an interesting creative storytelling choice that actually the story is the war. You don't need character background. You don't need, you, you're just seeing kind of their reaction to where they are and and their environment and what's happening and I think um, the, um well that's a lot what war is like you just you live minute to minute you take the problem you're given you know at a certain given time and you just survive and I think those were interesting again they were interesting choices for for storytelling from those two films um but definitely definitely agree with everything that's been said about you know um Things that maybe we uh, would have should have had more focus on, it would have been great to see as well. But well, yeah, because one of the films that I also watched was obviously Saving Private Ryan, and you've got this character played by Tom Hanks who they don't know anything about, and there's like even a pool going. They're they're betting on who they think he is outside of war, where he's from, mm. and then it gets revealed like later on. Um, it's actually fairly mundane in terms of uh, the actual reveal there, but I think. That's one of the interesting things about war films as a genre is that you get these characters transplanted away from their original settings and they are all kind of put in a uniform, made the same. Obviously, you have ranks and things, but apart from that, they're all on you know, one side. And as an audience, we're asked to then connect with them, whether or not the director wants us to do that. Um, you know, With what a plot line normally centers around some kind of heroic moment or heroic scenes and things um or the alternative happens or they get mixed together which is the characters lose their humanity halfway through or or somewhere through like platoon has it saving private ryan has it there's a scene where they're counting the dog tags they're trying to find the dog tag of private ryan and they're doing it quite sort of lightheartedly and they're smoking cigars and it's kind of almost like oh guys you've forgotten that you're in a war um and I think that's like an interesting uh, theme. Jason, did you find that when you're watching Saving Pirate Ryan that um, you know the the character's humanity was an interesting theme? Yes, I did. <clears throat> Saving Pirate Ryan it shows uh, the character of Tom Hanks shows how much the how much the war affects people. You know, because he becomes another person. He he becomes torn apart by war. And yes, I agree with the scene you mentioned with the dog tags. You know, they are disrespectful and they show that, you know, death doesn't have much of an effect on them. And also, you're with characters and you're not with them very long, especially in that film. Unfortunately, spoilers, but some people don't make it. And they, you you build connections and you build emotions towards people. And obviously, you kind of know that Tom Hanks is going to be your conduit through the whole film. But generally, like, you're asked to sort of, look at these this band this squad and they start going places and you know some of them are generally good some of them are sort of maybe 
what they're doing their bit just to get through. Um, it's an interesting dynamic to try and convey to an audience because we don't really know who to to gravitate towards because they've been thrown into this battlefield and it's kind of uh, just last man standing to try and just survive. And you know, I think it's, a, it's an interesting um, dichotomy when you've got good versus bad, which is kind of a staple of, of cinema. We all kind of gravitate towards the hero, well, in, at least for the 99% of films. Um, but with war films, that line can be a little bit blurrier, I guess. Um, has anyone else found that with any other films? Well, at the end of the day, I mean, we're all human. And I think that the interesting thing is we were talking about having the characters and the people that they are, you know, before they join the army. And what's interesting is obviously about Vietnam, World War One, World War Two. a lot of those people, they didn't want to join the army. They're just drafted. They're just postmen, milkmen, whatever you have. And they're just chucked out there and said, yeah, I'll go kill all these folks now. And I think, um, yeah, you know, the good versus evil thing in war is is so blurred because just because we're English, let's say like World War II, for example, just because we're English and we're dressed up in our uniform and we're fighting for our country and we don't want to be there just as much as the 18-year-old German boy dressed up in his uniform fighting for his country didn't want to be there, you know? And so is it good versus evil or is it just two bunches of people being made to do something for a greater good, you know? It's very hard. It's Is it good and evil or is it just two different, you know, points of view? A really good film for that, I don't know if anyone here has seen it, it's Downfall. The one where they're in the bunker mm-hmm. before, in the, the yeah, the last few days of Hitler, and um, a really good scene of that where you kind of do sort of empathise with. Obviously, as British people, we're not meant to emphasise with the Nazis, but it's, it's um, when they go out and there's like a Gatling gun or something and it's being run by Hitler Youth, obviously like 12, 13, 14-year-old kids trying to man this huge gun and mm-hmm. bite off the Russians. And, you know, they're just kids. So, again, is it good and evil or are we all just people putting on a costume and being made to go and do something you know mm. and that's what's interesting about war films and i think downfall is an excellent one to make you empathize with the i'm going to air quote not that we can see it on a podcast <laughs> the bad guys because they weren't bad guys mm. downfall is another good one as well for women in the war if we were go all the way back to about 20 minutes ago <laughs> downfall is a great one for that because they're all this it talks about it's all the secretaries isn't it and the the people serving underneath hitler and things which is which is really fantastic yeah, on, on what you were saying, uh, Rachel, that's um, interesting because it, it was it made me think of uh, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, the, oh, yeah. the, uh, the 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 uh, the Mel Gibson World War Two one, um, where it was about a guy, you know, a pacifist who still wanted to like fight in the army, but he didn't want to kill anybody. And um, we kind of saw, like, not only did we see him save his own soldiers, but probably my favorite scene in the film is this one scene where he like um doesn't kill and like kind of takes care of to an extent a wounded japanese soldier as well mm. and it's it's the bit where he's like trapped in the tunnels and it's kind of like a moment where it's like he's come face to face with the em- enemy but he still refuses to kill you know even though like he could have very easily killed that japanese soldier he decided not to and decided to like kind of uh help him i can't remember if that soldier died or not but regardless of it he decided to like try and help heal him you know that was yeah that that moment stuck with me dude we're totally circumventing the most obvious one the pianist oh yeah with adam brody and then the nazi officer and that whole scene at the end when they're walking past the concentration camp but the nazis have been put in it and he's trying to find him and he's trying to like you know reach out to him because he's helped him for all of that time that's a perfect example of it giving him his coat and coming back and visiting him and that scene where he plays the piano and it's just so 
transcendent and beautiful and it, it's that humanitarianism like you were saying do you do you help them we're all people here and i don't know if anyone else felt this but in 1917 when the plane crashes and they help they help the the nazi you know pilot the luftwaffe out of the plane and you're like oh yeah that's war that's what happens and then he stabs him i was like ah. Oh. <laughs> I wanted you to be nice. I wanted yeah. you to be friends. It really, it really bummed me out when that happened. Yeah, it, it was World War One as well, so it could have that. that so that could have probably oh, yeah. happened, but you know, it, it, it just. I, I guess that one guy just wasn't nice. There was a moment where I went, "Oh, can't we all just get along? Come on, <laughs> you just pulled him out of a plane. Be nice to him." That was crazy. And, uh, perspective actually is a really interesting point you know, in terms of. Uh, the, the films that we're watching and, and these the war films and often it is just one side um you know, you're just following characters from one side but then um you'll get glimpses of the other section or you know the, the suffering on the other side i mean clint eastwood went as far as to make a film from both sides um so he did i think it was letters from iwo jima and then there was flags of our fathers um same battle but told from both perspectives uh i've I've seen a a short film called their war which again does the same thing it's like you see both sides going off to war in the morning and leaving their families and it's this kind of you know mirroring of what's happening and very often when this happens i find that you don't see much of the behind the scenes like you're not seeing the politics involved you're just seeing the characters and how they have to go and suffer and i'm wondering if that's kind of done on purpose um do you think that politics should sort of stay out of war films or do you think it's an important part to put in i think it depends on again um storytelling choice because there's a i don't want to get too political here but there's a um the way I see it, it's usually the same people, the same sort of people waging war and the same sort of people going off and fighting them. Um, but it's a completely different film if you're, you know, the kind of uh, thriller, you know, run up to war kind of thing the last few days before war or if you have like um, a battlefield uh, kind of film. So they, they'd be two completely different films. I'd be up to see all kinds of war film, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I I wouldn't mind seeing the political side of it in in film. Maybe it's been done. I, there's nothing coming to my head immediately, but it would be two completely different films. Equally interesting, but I think it's I can't see it being made in the same piece. If you if you see what I mean, because there's obviously a danger of of getting political with with war films because they are such a touchy subject. Now, yeah, depending on the conflict. Now with World War Two and World War One. Everyone seems to be sort of fair game for them because of the the way that those stories have been told. Obviously, history depends on who 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 you're reading, but generally, you know, if you're in a Western sort of country, then everyone sort of laid their uh, stalls out for these for these films. Now, when you get to the conflicts more like Vietnam or uh, even as recent as like the War on Terror um, and things in uh, you know, Middle East, that the politics around them are far more negative in terms of pretty much everyone's involvement, but especially the Western involvement, that you'll get these films that start to really hone in on that and poke holes at your own side. So um, with World War on Terror, you had things like Lions for Lambs, which came out in 2007, which is a very speaking piece. It wasn't really a war film, but it was set around war. There's a bit of war, but generally it's a lot of people talking about it and how kind of 
bad it is and how terrible th- th- what's happened uh, has been. Um, do you feel, obviously you're a history uh, person, uh, Joyce, um, yes. is that stuff that you want to chew on or is it you want to maybe have a separate film for that and then the war film should be more character driven and things like that? I mean, it would be really interesting if there if there could ever be a piece um, kind of trying to uh, portray the potential isolation between those in power. So if you, if you you know if you take the big wars, the prime minister's office in London, and the people at the front, because I don't think um, you know the, I, I was reading about um, people's kind of reactions to war films, and, and and some of it was quite opinionated. And you know there was somebody saying. If the people who decide to wage war actually went off and spent some time on the front, they would most probably decide against it. And I was like, oh, that's a very that's a very interesting point, because if you actually knew what it was like, would you ever in your right mind decide, right, we're going to war? Um, And again, going back to the point of the people who are ruling are not the people who are going to go off and fight the war so i it would be really interesting to see that uh, you know a film focusing completely on the dynamic between the front and the government i don't know if there is one um but it that makes me think oh sorry no you yeah, yeah 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 go, go on it makes me think what you were just saying is um i was watching a world war ii documentary and they were playing that speech that churchill made yeah about we'll fight them on the beaches we'll fight them here we'll fight them there but it was obviously played over scenes of you know soldiers fighting and i thought yeah it's all right for you mate sitting in your office saying that and it's yeah. just what you were saying joyce i thought you wouldn't go and do that in your pea coat and your little bowler hat yeah Come on, you, man. you wouldn't send it's your crazy. son to to dunkirk no. for real yeah definitely not and yeah exactly so Especially, well, I think um, Vietnam as well, probably, but I think especially the First and the Second World Wars because of the conditions and the and because they were like absolute total wars. Um, and you know, sociologically, you can tell these people just did not were not the ones to to, to go off and fight. So, um, yeah. And I think yeah. you know, the, interesting you're talking about the the distance and you know, and that becomes a theme in some of the films. So like 1917 and Saving Private Ryan is like. Hey, look! If you guys have mobile phones, there's no film. Literally, it would have just been, "Hey, can you send Private Ryan back?" Yeah, cheers. Um, but then, when you've got the newer conflicts, there's a different thing going on, um, such as a film like Eye in the Sky or things like that, where the technology now is so formidable that the conflict isn't, you know, big battlefields. If anything, it's just like anonymous bomb dropping from wherever. And yeah. in a film like that, um, there's others as well where you get these kind of drone attacks that the the impact on the soldiers is, is just as just as harrowing it's so that the fact that they are able to do that from so far away that they aren't putting in their you know they're not being there on the front they're not having to look the person in the eye so that's an interesting mm-hmm. you know. i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Difference between the different types of films. Um, and you, know, you mentioned Churchill. There was a film um, starring Brian Cox, I think, with uh, about Churchill and it was all about the sort of run up to to Normandy, I think. And it shows the sort of impact that it had on him, but it's a very kind of introspective character study. Um, I don't think you get too much on the war front of, of that film. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that these films can be viewed in you know, such different ways. Um, has anyone got any other particular uh, favorites when it comes to war films that we haven't touched on yet? Oh yeah, what, one, us, oh, one. There you go, Robert. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so, so, so one like underrated one would be uh, the Messenger. Um, uh, it's where Woody Harrelson and Ben Foster both play these like kind of. I I can't remember if they actually like in any way fought in battle or anything, but they but currently what they're assigned to do is they're assigned to be the people who come back and say, uh, "We're sorry, uh, your husband is uh, missing in action or killed in action," and um, it kind of it it's a it's a very like strong kind of examination of what living a life like that would be like and how having a job like that would cause you then to like cross like certain professional and personal like boundaries with the people that you have to like, you know, tell these things to, and you know how that, how you, you know, you have the juxtaposition between the younger one and the older one, how like Harrison's the older one, and he seems all tough and stern. You can kind of tell that they're beneath him. He's very torn up by what he has to do. And Ben Foster, the younger one, he kind of he ends up forming this relationship with one of the widows. And you know, it's kind of it's it's just it's just it's a very like emotional movie, and it's emotional in the way that it just explores these very like complicated issues. But but it's a very it's a very unique war movie. But it I, I think it still counts. Fair enough, uh, Rachel. You were going to say. Okay, for one, I just Googled that because Ben Foster's really hot and I can't believe I haven't watched one of his movies and I, like, absolutely love him. So I'm, like, immediately going to watch that. He's hot. He is really hot. <laughs> he's, he's a bad boy. Um, I loved him playing Lance Armstrong. We're just, so, like, that was such a great movie. Anyway, mine is Full Metal Jacket. Like, why have we not talked about how brilliant that is? Mm, really That powerful. movie... Yeah, it gets kind of swept under the rug. I didn't watch it for years. I was late to that party. But that scene where he's just going bonkers in the bathroom, loading up the rifle or whatever it was, and just repeating like the the phrases drilled into him by the drill sergeant's full metal jacket, you know. And it, I felt that that film was like again, kind of like Jarhead, was a perfect you know representation of just making people in the army faceless drones to kind of go out and do this killing and do this bidding. And then you've got the other people in the army, like you were saying about the messenger who have to then be desensitized in a different way to go and deliver bad messages and, and things like that. And I feel that sometimes, you know, we all talk about the hero epic. Great, cool. Let's go watch it. But sometimes the most interesting stories of war are those, those little personal effects where people just go, this is rubbish. And why am I here? And I hate this, but I've, got to do this uh, and that's kind of cool i mean vietnam particularly i think is the one that has really sort of a, a soured reputation like pretty across the board um even films such as like 
recently the trial of the Chicago Seven. They they they're protesting the Vietnam War. I mean, Vietnam War is such a huge impact in American culture. Full Metal Jacket. What I love about that film was the fact that it's like a film of two halves. You have the first half where yeah. he's in boot camp, and the second half where he's actually at war, and both are just truly, truly terrifying. Um, and I think that that was you know, obviously intended. I think Kubrick wanted to to get that across in terms of what it did to people and how it sort of dehumanized them. And then recently we had a film called The Five Bloods. I'm not sure. Has anyone seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Where, yeah, similarly you've got these characters that had managed to sort of survive Vietnam and then they sort of uh, hit some gold and they go back to sort of retrieve it. And the impact it had on them was so profound. And it, yeah, it's, it's such a powerful narrative to be to exploring. What do people think of, um, well, Full Metal Jacket as well as <laughs> The Five Bloods, two different films, but both good. I've not seen the other one. Um, I did watch the trailer and it's certainly like something I'd invest into. So I will get onto that. But that Ben Foster film's got to come first for personal reasons, Chris. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll carve out some time for that. Um, uh, Robert, Robert, have you seen uh, The Five Bloods? Yeah, 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 yeah. I really liked it. Interesting film, I thought. Um, and great, great uh, cast. And interesting to have a film, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, people of colour, that you have a film uh, centred around uh, five black guys, directed by Spike Lee as well. And I thought it was terrific. A really sort of swift film. Um, interesting to, to, to transplant the two different uh, time stories as well, but done in a way that didn't feel gimmicky, to be honest. Jason, have you seen uh, either Full Metal Jacket or The Five Bloods? Yeah, I've seen Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, I think it. I think it examines the war through through many perspectives. It you know it examines how the war affects affects a person, how the brutality of army training you know can drive them insane, and it also shows shows the horrors of the war too. Absolutely, and I think that the the drill sergeant um, in that film is such an important character and often you know having that antagonist and the, the character that you're meant to not kind of um not meant to sympathize with is important because sometimes in a film like um platoon it, I, I mean i get me i haven't seen this film in quite a while to be fair but i'm pretty sure they're just kind of often just going through the woods and oh, in the woods but the jungles and, and being attacked and it's very kind of uh immersive and it's really tough and the conflict is really intense but there's no sort of set baddie if you will um is that right robert well uh, so well well yes and no so on the one hand yeah what you're talking about is correct that is mostly what's going on but that but it's like you have the outside conflict and then you have the internal conflict within like the troops themselves because there is an antagonist in them and that's uh, sergeant bonds like he's definitely the main villain of the film but he's obviously not the he's obviously not on the side of the Viet Cong he's on the side of every other troop mm. but he's still the central villain because he's causing all of these problems and he's causing them just because he's so evil you know because he because he is he's he's almost like you know the devil incarnate you know as a human being and um but that's an internal conflict not a wide conflict right Okay, I mean, like I said, I would just caveat the fact I haven't seen that film in about ten years, but I, I just what I remember of it, the, the bits I do strongly remember are the bits of him going through the jungle, uh, similar to like Apocalypse Now, where it's very sort of like a, a trudge through the Vietnam uh, landscape. But um, I tell you, one film we've not mentioned, um, and a, a, quite a few of you mentioned it before we even arranged a podcast, which is Inglorious Bastards. 
Yeah. Um, anyone want to take that one? <laughs> I mean, Tarantino's just, you know, um, it, you, you have to discuss one of your films, just whatever the, <laughs> whatever the topic. Um, I think the opening scene is just one of the best in film. Like ever. oh yeah definitely uh just the i mean it's just everything the the language for one um the shots the landscape the location the acting i mean um what's not to like um and hate because yeah, it's just and, such and, a growing like, situation sorry. um yeah it's awesome just the dialogue as well um yeah. yeah. And what I love about that opening scene as well, that I don't think a lot of people discussed was that the marketing for that film uh, kind of played it up more like a dark comedy. Uh-huh. Um, and it didn't like, it, it, it didn't really like, it also, I don't think there was much of like Shoshana in that advertising, in the advertising for the film. For the most part, when you saw the trailers for it, it looked like an adventure film where Brad Pitt and a bunch of other people go and kill Nazis or whatever. But so the opening scene being where it be, being the opening is kind of a surprise and a bit of a subversion, almost kind of like it's kind of telling you like, yeah, this is going to have moments of humor, but it just, it's also going to be really, really dark. And we're not going to shy away from the horrific shit that, sorry, that the Nazis did, you know, to Jewish people. What I yeah. find interesting about that film is when you watch it, you're watching it and you're like, yeah, yeah, Brad Pitt. And then Eli Roth turns up and you're like, all right, what are you doing here? And then Mike Myers is in it as well. And you're like, what is happening in this movie? Yeah. I'm not a fan of Inglorious Bastards, but the opening scene, as we said, it's beautiful. It's so the tension under the floorboards. Yeah. You just cannot escape that tension. I was so invested. Uh, personally, I found the film, I dipped in and out of it. I, I, I lost interest. Yeah. Yes. I have ADD, so I was not not ready for that. Saving Private Ryan's like I have to do that in sections because my brain's like, what's over there? But I'm um, like, I yeah, I did dip in and out of it. But yeah, this I think seeing Eli Roth with a bat and then Mike Myers just took me out of the film at points. So I was like, you directed cat, you directed Cabin Fever. What are you doing here? It's just strange. Yeah. I mean, I find it almost theatrical. You know that and the bar scene. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, the final scene's just yeah like tarantino-esque obviously but that's cliche just almost unwatchable basically i think Um, one point that was very good in it is when they're at that restaurant and he makes her drink milk and have cream cakes or something yeah and where she's grown up on a dairy farm and she's obviously yeah like he knows he knows he (laughs) knows and that was a bit that brought me back into the film where i was like oh yeah we are still the Nazis are the bad guys and that's the hunt and all those things. And yeah. it, it, it's that dark and light, which is really interesting. But that scene, I was like, yeah, I like that. That's I mean, the writing is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. The, the dark and light aspect is kind of also embodied in like, yes. Yeah. The, the Hans Lander character as well, because one minute he's being all like scary and stuff. And then he's like, Ooh, that's a bingo. You know, he's like, that. <laughs> like, He's like he's all it like like he's hilarious in some scenes, but also really creepy in other ones. You know. Yeah. What's his name? That actor, the guy who's bilingual, Christopher. Christoph Waltz, is it? Is that yeah. There we yeah. go. God, I love him. He's good. He is good. I love him in he's um, amazing. Django Unchained. Yeah, yeah. He's he's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, we were talking right at the beginning about the the type of directors that have taken on a war film, and obviously Tarantino is so so great um and i i i've only watched inglorious bastards once but i felt fondly about it when i did watch it um yeah. has anyone seen the deer hunter yes i have 
Yeah. What no. do you, What do you think of that, Jason? Yeah, it's a very heavy film, isn't it? Long. Yeah, it's, yeah it has to do with a group of friends who go to the Vietnam War, and it shows how it affects them, how it destroys their lives. I think it's kind of a very young Meryl Streep in it, actually. Yes, it, yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, and and, 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 the, and Robert De Niro too, and Christopher Walken. He's brilliant in that film. It's weird how that film's got like a bit of a pedigree about it. Like a lot of people really rate it, but I, I found it very long. I was watching, I was like, this is just not not doing it for me. Um, and I think because a lot of it centers around this sort of psychological uh, impact, it's not uh, too much more than that. I just found it really, really heavy going. Um, as opposed to something like Catherine Bigelow's The Hurt Locker. Um, that I found to be just so tense. I think it won Best Picture. I, I can't remember. It did, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's got Jeremy Renner in it, Anthony Mackie. I mean, this is pre-Marvel days and um, you know, great cast. And one of those films where it, similar to like Black Hawk Down, where it's very sort of um, intense ferocity about it, that, that that's the kind of films that are being made post 9-11 and, you know, uh, those sort of movies. Uh, has anyone seen um, Hurt Locker? Yeah. Nope. I've seen it a while ago. Yeah. Um, Robert, what do you think? Oh, uh, yeah, I remember, I, I, again, I remember liking it, but I really, it, it didn't really, like, stick with me that much, no. you know. Um, I think I, 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 I also saw Zero Dark Thirty soon after that, yeah. and I think I preferred Zero Dark Thirty just because that was a bit more epic and had i think it had more of a it had a main character that i could sort of connect with a bit more than i could the lead of hurt locker like i connected with like maya a bit more than um uh, whoever he was in in hurt locker you know yeah actually i was i was gonna move on to um zero dot 30 and that actually i agree i found i was connected to the material more in that film um but it's interesting that bigelow took you know, two different stories and you know, quite far apart in terms of when she made them. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the conflict since 2001 in terms of the films and things that have been made about that are often quite damning of America and, you know, their behaviour. Zero Dark Thirty, not so much. I mean, there is there are elements in there a lot that are you know, obviously not, not great for America, but there's also the fact that it's sort of hunting Osama Bin Laden. So it is a bit... Um, sort of gun-toting sometimes um that's one thing which a lot of people sort of when they talk about war films is you know about you know, who is it that we're meant to root for who who are the heroes who are who are the villains um is there been any films where you found it difficult to decide like schindler's list maybe uh oh, schindler's uh... list is yeah schindler's list is the one that's like yo hate the nazis <laughs> <laughs> There's like it's like kind of what we were talking about earlier. I mean, in a sense, everyone's a victim at war. You know, yeah. everyone is a victim at war. It's just what side of the propaganda machine are you on as to how you're going to see the victim. That's just life. That's war. That's how it is. But Schindler's List, Steven Spielberg was like, "Now nah, I'm on the trip of you hating Nazis." So here we go. And it was like that scene where the trains pull in and they're all sitting there, the officers, the SS, and they're smoking and having fun. And he comes out and sprays them. The the people in the trains with the hose and the rest of them are just laughing at him. Like, what are you doing? That struck me. That was like, yeah, I, that happened. Of course that happened. And that's that moment where you go, get them out, Schindler. Do it. <laughs> you know, you see them as that is the villain painted right there on screen. And 
yeah, of course, that's a terrible thing to do to people. So, yeah, you want Schindler to win. Get him out, man. <laughs> Get him out. Oh, you, I mean, I've, I've again, been a while since I revisited that film, but just, I just still know how how I felt watching it. It's such a, a visceral sort of experience. Uh, I mean, It's so yeah. bleak. It's so bleak. <laughs> Robert, are you, are you okay? I mean, you only watched it today. Are you still all right with it? The trauma. Yeah, no, 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 I loved it. And I think... And I think part of the reason why as well is because like it kind of it had that perfect blend to me between like kind of realism and darkness, but also like, you know, heart and kind of and like and not getting like too dark. You know, I felt like it had that balance quite well because it was ultimately an uplifting story, but it was one where you had to sit through a lot of the scenes of like, you know, you know in particular that like sequence where, you know, where they're like raiding the apartment block and, you know, just like. And it's just, it's just like so terrifying, and so like I think one aspect that works as well is that um, in a lot of these sequences they didn't include like famous actors, you know, they, they they just included like people who just just seemed like regular people, you know, so yeah. it almost felt like you were being transported back in time, um, you know, and that's something like like to bring up 1917, like one problem that I kind of had was that like um, I didn't really like how. They, they used like famous actors and like the su- supporting cast for these like kind of brief scenes because yeah. I found that kind of a bit distracting and I think I would have felt a bit more immersed if maybe they just included like regular people and I felt that the material there was kind of like it, it was like I feel like they they could have just gotten like random people rather than like very well-known British actors you know it was I think the yeah. Benedict oh sorry the Benedict Cumberbatch reveal at the final bit in 1917. Yeah, that took me out of it as well. I thought, why Sherlock here? What are you doing? <laughs> um, if we just to kind of uh, touch a bit more on the Holocaust, sorry guys, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit here because I'm gonna ask if any of you have seen the book Thief. I haven't. I've read the book, um, and I think it's one of the most brilliant books ever. But if anyone's seen the book Thief, it's a war film, the German set in the German home front. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but if you haven't... I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. No. Anyone else? No, that sounds like one to watch, though. Yeah, I just had a quick look up. It's got Jeffrey Rush in. I love Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, a very good cast. I mean, the book is just... I think, you know, I'm only 25, but I have read quite a bit. It's still one of my favourite books ever, like out of everything I've read. And yeah, it's... um, Two kind of 14, 13 year olds um, in Germany, German guys growing up together. Uh, one of them, the family of one of them is um, hiding a Jewish guy and the story unfolds there. But um, the, the way it's written, the book's written from the perspective of death, which I just, you know, I was only 15 at the time, but I thought it was like a, an astounding idea. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've cheated here because I haven't seen the film. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can review it if you like. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, yeah, interesting to, obviously we've mentioned quite a lot of heavy films like that, you know, coming at it from the perspective of death. How about we go the complete other end and go with that Hitler is our imaginary friend in Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> um, has anyone mm-hmm. seen Jojo Rabbit? No, sorry. No, no uh, um, Robert, what do you think? Yeah, no, uh, no, I, 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 I ended up really gravitating towards it. I quite liked it. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if it. I, I was wondering if this was going to be like, you know, like 
a misfire from you know Taika Waititi, who kind of had a very good like track record, you know. But and I was worried that it was going to be like his first one that wouldn't be so good or that would be kind of divisive. But you know, upon watching it, and especially upon like the second viewing, I ended up quite liking it because I kind of I felt like I understood the intentions of the film more than a lot of other people. You know, I, and I know that I know that that, that that does sound kind of pretentious, but, but what I'm just saying is, I didn't a lot a lot of people were focusing on the comedic aspects and kind of judging that, whereas I kind of saw beyond that and just focused on the drama of the story. You know, mm. because the the comedic stuff was the icing, whereas the cake was the drama of you know this boy having to basically reject this ideal this like toxic terrible ideology that he was being raised on you know and so i was kind of so and that stuff i gravitated towards i really enjoyed and um yeah i just and and i loved uh, the ending as well the ending was fantastic well, obviously i won't spoil it <laughs> um rachel have you seen it i haven't everyone keeps telling me to watch it i personally am a quite a hitch history buff obviously not in the way joyce is yeah. but um <laughs> Especially, I'm I'm very very interested in the Third Reich because I mean the whole thing is just crazy bonkers. There's so many facets building UFOs. It just goes, it just goes. And I was always been very interested in in Hitler Youth and uh, you know the Jungen Brides. And um, I, is he a Hitler Youth member? Is that mm, the premise yeah. of it? And I just yeah, I've always I'm very sucked into it, but I just haven't got around to watching it because I mean the the whole premise of Hitler Youth is just bonkers. So. I'd be really interested to see how that that pans out. I mean, I remember reading that they would um, put the the young boys and the young girls in two separate camps for summer holidays, and then they would they would bring them together to kind of um, indoctrinate that idea of making the perfect Aryan race later on, which Hitler wanted. So then I was like, yeah, that's not like the Boy Scouts at all, Hitler. You can't lie to me. I see through your guys. That was just yeah. And so I'm very interested to watch it. I will get around to that one. Yeah. I, I yeah, the, sorry carry on uh, Joyce I, I was just gonna say so very simply you can sort of there's so many perspectives that you can take when you're trying to tell a story um sort of set in Nazi times you know you, you can tell it from the political perspective you can tell it from the perspective of these children who I think were just getting robbed of their innocence really I mean you know being taught to think that some people were less than them and and, and all these just um a disgusting idea so yeah there's just again what you were saying Rachel there's just so much you you can explore about it it's almost unending yeah I think it's why it's very popular with films yeah they need to make a film about the UFO segment of it because that'd be hilarious yeah I mean (laughs) yeah yeah it was aliens the Scientologists would love that they'd eat that up they'd be like yeah that was our thing we, we were responsible for that well even <laughs> money please it, now give us money it even like went into the comics right because I'm pretty sure obviously Captain America I think there's like Nazi experimentation things going on and, and all those sort of things it's interesting how it gets so baffling and so crazy that it starts to feel true and you've got these characters you're like oh, oh could that have happened like wow um and I, I've not seen them, so I'm kind of doing a bit of a joyce here. But um, has anyone watched the the Overlord films? No, sorry. Nope. Nope. No, we'll skip them then. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> um, next. <laughs> next. Um, has anyone got any films that they've not had a chance to chat about? Because I know I asked you guys to sort of maybe pick some of your favourite ones. I'm going to say this quietly because it's my dog's name. Valkyrie. Oh, yeah. Oh, she didn't come into the room. I'm so blessed. <laughs> My dog, she's a French bulldog, so all you would have heard was those weird French bulldog sounds. Um, 
Valkyrie, man. Everyone forgets about Valkyrie. I'm trying not to say it. I'm just, I've got the door shut. It's fine. Uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, Scientology. Oh, it's come full circle. They're going to say the aliens made us talk about it. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not a big Tom Cruise guy. I liked him in Eyes Wide Shut. That's a sterling film. That's brilliant. Um, but I loved him in Valkyrie. I love Valkyrie. It was such an interesting, um, again, like, me, like Joyce was saying as well, there's so many facets of you know world war ii and the stories and everything that can come from it and i love that they picked up on that one and it's you know it's such an unfortunate event you know you put it by the wrong table leg oh the end but it's 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 such a brilliant movie outside of that again because it's the resentfulness of war and he's like look i've got no arm no leg no eye no what he's 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 a fractured man but he's still willing at that point to just go yeah i'm in let's blow this dude up let's go and it's like you're seeing a man who's got nothing left essentially and uh, that's a story worth telling. I love that one. And my dog hasn't disturbed us. So I've done that right Yeah, bring it. <laughs> no one say the word. No one say the word. <laughs> um, Joyce, how about you? Any films we've not covered that you wanted to bring up? Um, Not any that I had thought of beforehand. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Fair enough. Maybe, yeah. Um, Jason? Have you guys seen Apocalypse Now? Long time ago, yeah. I mean, that is an absolute bludgeon of a watch mm, it's, it's 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 long um what do you think it's quite a different film isn't it mm. yeah i mean yeah, it's, it's, it's it's one of those films that's kind of immersed in cinema history in terms of the shoot and how difficult it was and how, how many uh, reshoots they had to do and they buried loads and loads of money i think they got like washed away and, and all this sort of stuff um but it was also quite powerful i wasn't that keen on Marlon Brando at the end and stuff that for me felt a bit like eh. um but again I think it did uh, convey the grueling journey that the characters had to go on in you know, the Vietnam War and stuff uh, I found it cinematically impressive but it's one of those films quite a few of these films where you go I'm glad I've seen it but I wouldn't really watch it again um I didn't I didn't really gravitate towards it that much uh Robert have you seen it uh, no, I haven't actually. Uh, again, one of those ones that, like, you know, I'm constant. I'm constantly thinking, like, oh, I should watch that. But, yeah, you know, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, no, I haven't gotten to it. Okay, any that you wanted to mention that we've not brought up? Oh, um, yeah, yeah I was thinking of a couple. Like, uh, like for example, I was thinking, like, I know, it, it, like, you could argue this doesn't quite count, but in terms, of, like, in terms of like, you know, Tom Cruise stuff, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, you know, um, yeah. that kind of like that. I, I that 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 one I remember being really good. I mean, it, yeah, you know, it's obviously more like sci-fi action blockbuster, but you know, it's a really I I remember finding it really inventive, really funny, uh, really like very compelling for Cruz as well as an actor because it it was it involved him really playing against type quite well. It was basically just this like PR military drone who had never actually been in a battle, and then he had to like slowly become the typical Tom Cruise action hero that we kind of associate with him. And uh, that was really clever. It was really well done. Uh, yeah, I remember that movie being really good. Mm. Uh, it's annoying that they constantly kept on retitling it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it had like about eight <laughs> different titles, didn't it? I was like, which one? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah. thought Live, Die, Repeat was a much better title. I thought that was like the one they could have stuck with. But... Yeah, yeah, 
I, I, I guess it is a bit more like Edge of Tomorrow is a really, really generic, whereas the Dire Repeat is actually distinctive and it gets across the premise as well, you know. So, so okay, all right. I guess they, I guess that was a change that was made for the better, maybe. Maybe. Um, the only film I was going to mention, um, I don't know if anyone's seen this, is um, is a two thousand and eight film called Defiance. It had Daniel Craig in Liv Schreiber. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> such a. <laughs> It's one of those. No, films. I don't think Daniel Craig's hot. By the way, that wasn't me being excited by Daniel Craig. Going to give you a. I think he is. <laughs> no, it's Foster Man. Daniel Craig does not do it for me. But I'm just saying. Yeah, I know the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it doesn't always come to mind, but I remember seeing this film. I think I picked it up back in the day when you used to go on HMV and actually buy a DVD. And um, I was like, oh, yeah. just give it a go. It looked like you know one of those films that could or couldn't work. And I remember just being blown away by it. It was so, so intense and really, really well done. Great, great filming, intense action, great story. Um, but often a film that probably just gets largely overlooked because it's not, uh, it doesn't have a sort of big caliber name, um, you know, like Saving Pirate Ryan or something like that. But it's definitely worth checking out. I really, really enjoyed that film. Um, I watched that film with my, um, I don't know how you say it, my... They're not, they didn't adopt me, but they took me in when my family got rid of me. My adoptive Jewish family, as I call it. Um, and they, we were watching it and um, my adoptive Jewish mother's grandparents were in The Defiance. Wow. Uh, so they, they were in the, the, the bunch of Jewish people who hid out in the woods. Uh, apparently her, her grandfather's um, jumped, yeah, jumped off a train, did the old roll made the run for it and they stayed there for quite a while so it was really interesting to to sit with them and and really you know hear all the stories about it as we're watching it so I, that kind of gave me another level when i was was watching that with them so that was really interesting that's amazing yeah. i mean i can't believe they were also the family <laughs> who made me watch schindler's list and i was like i'm really awkward watching this right now with everyone in the room <laughs> you know what i mean and they're like oh yeah you know i was just like yeah okay <laughs> So yeah, that that indoctrination was given to me, but yeah, that was that was um I think that made the movie, and I have never watched it again since, just because that was such an interesting sort of family moment to have with those people, um, mm. with a family history that isn't mine by blood, but I've come to learn about at an age where I was able to really appreciate it, mm. and so watching watching that movie was was really interesting with them, and yeah, it was hilarious because the uh, the dad is he's he's um. Fantastic thick accent. So he was like, "You jump off the train!" <laughs> screaming as we watch, and I was like, "Yeah, come on, let's all get in the forest." It was brilliant. It was great fun. I actually, he was hilarious. That feels like a sort of a five D experience that you know they've, they've managed to bring someone along who can, you know, oh, he, he was crazy. He he was on a kibbutz in Israel for years, and they tried to make him fight in the military by putting him in a tank. And he was like, "I won't go in the tank," and he got like put in the brig and stuff. So that character, just that story, gives it a really good impression of his character. So watching that movie with him was just a riot of just screaming a lot it was it was great fun great fun oh. I actually i've thought of a movie if we still have time yeah, um well, i remembered um testament of youth the uh, with alicia vikander and um uh kit harrington was it uh um, yeah I, I haven't seen it i know the film you mean though yeah it's really it's a really emotional one um again kind of mixes it doesn't really have uh, battlefield scenes but it mixes the the home front um with kind of political stuff and pacifism the kind of the and again it's quite interesting for a war film to show you the pacifist side because i think that gets um really really overlooked and it's a very interesting sight to see as well 
um, yeah, that's another recommendable one. To try and check that one. I mean, there's been so many films mentioned tonight that I definitely want to yeah. try and um, go back through. Even ones I've seen, I want to rewatch. Like, just, yeah, I watched that one quite a long time ago. Now I want to watch Defiance with Rachel's adopted family. That's that's main. That's the main thing. <laughs> oh, my mother, she'll feed you. She she loves to put on a feed. She's like, oh, you look thin, and there's you're not thin at all, maybe. But she'll be like, you look. Thin. Starts feeding you. She's made cakes. She's a brilliant cook. Oh my god, I get afraid to go around there if I'm trying to lose weight. It's <laughs> She's like, do you want a sandwich? I'm like, I've just, I'm eating a roast dinner right now. She's like, put a sandwich on top of the roast dinner. I'm like, thanks, love you. <laughs> She's a lovely lady. Oh, you're making me hungry now, oh, Rachel. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I'll ring her. She'll send you one by post. She'll do it. She loves to cook. Um, all right, guys. I want to say a big thank you for joining me tonight for the podcast. Uh, it's been lovely to chat about war films um, and you know the ups and downs of the. Uh, emotional roller coaster that they come with um so yeah i just want to say another big thank you thank you to everyone who's listened if you want to share follow like all those things um i forget how, where you can do it but you can do it online and um yeah hopefully will be a new podcast coming soon and we'll see you then Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.